Empire. A little weight can go a long way. You know, one of the most fun things about what the Amorpho line is that the invention of applying the load into the material and the apparel itself makes it so much more feasible and comfortable and it doesn't get in the way of what you want to do in a training scenario. That's Dr. Aaron Fazer, head of science at Omorpho, where weighted workouts is their key to athletic performance. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. We have had representatives from Amorpho on before, but Dr. Fazer brings the science to the discussion as to why they believe in this methodology and how it is impacting athletes at all levels. Our guest this week is Dr. Eric Fazer, who is the head of science at Amorpho. We're going to deep dive into modern athletic performance. Hi, Dr. Fazer. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? Good. Tell me a little bit about what you do at Amorpho and what Amorpho does. Yeah, Amorpho is a specialty apparel company where we make gravity sportswear. We also have really sleek, um, wearable, um, weighted vests. And my role is head of science. So I get to um, get involved in projects and also do fun things like talk with people like you about what we know about training with this idea of wearing weights. We call it microload. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where I live. My background is research and coaching. So I've been able to pull in very much the practical side in our very technical area of using research to answer questions when it comes to advancing this idea of training with microload. Okay. Let's talk about microloading. Where did the concept come from and, and why is your company all in on this is the way to train? Yeah, yeah, I think you've had Stefan, our CEO, on a previous yeah, podcast. And we have. He, he did share a bit about his evolution or his um, kind of backstory of where he came to this idea of microloading. Um, my backstory is a little bit different in that I started working with microloading in 2017. So I was exploring working on PhDs and the group that I got connected with is out of the Sport Performance Research Institute in New Zealand, and that's an institute at the Auckland University of Technology. And those guys had been um, working with this idea of wearing load on the legs or load on the torso, load on the arms for training, more so specifically sprint running. So I jumped in with those guys. From a physics perspective, the idea of adding load onto the limbs is referred to as inertial manipulation, which is this idea that you're changing the mass, changing the inertia of the limb. From a training perspective, this is really interesting because it hits a few of our foundational training principles from a strength and conditioning perspective or a exercise science perspective. So I've got a coaching background. I've worked in biomechanics at the university level for a long time. So I was really interested in this idea from um, a more mechanical perspective. And that's what I was able to spend my time um, during my PhD work, really diving into the use of loading the limbs, the legs specifically for sprinting acceleration. But through that process, while I was working on all of my projects and really involved in everything microloading, I was introduced to an individual um, 
Hobie Darling and we were chatting and he's asking me all these questions about my research, which I kind of thought was funny because usually people don't ask me a lot of research questions unless they're academics. <laughs> so kind of thinking, why is this guy asking me all these questions? And it turns out he's actually on our advisory board and this was before the company launched. So he asked me, he said, a good friend of mine is working on building a company and they do something that sounds really similar to the kind of research you're doing. Would you like to meet him? And of course I said yes. And he introduced me to Stefan and I was able to get specifically using the Amorpho product line right away. And I joined the company um, or started working with the company about a year before launch. So that's been pretty exciting that I've been able to be with the team through this whole process of like build and launch and now getting to talk, you know, with more consumers about the idea of microloading. Um, so when you were doing the research before you went to Amorpho, what were athletes wearing? Were they just putting weights on their bodies? Was it something yeah, literally often, wearable? Yeah. And it wasn't as often um, athletes, if you don't have a product line that's appropriate to wear in a training scenario, they there's examples in the research where they would um, kind of tape pieces of like weights, I guess, onto the limbs. I've got a study all the way back to the mid 80s um, where this was done, where the researchers taped things to the athletes. So you kind of see where there's going to be a gap between where we could maybe make up something, where we could measure something in a lab and tape weights to you that works okay one time in the lab, but that's not really an appropriate situation to be training in or obviously very comfortable or if the weights are flying off. So that's probably, you know, one of the most fun things about what the Amorpho line is that the invention of applying the load into the material and the apparel itself makes it so much more feasible and comfortable and it doesn't get in the way of what you want to do in a training scenario. Okay. So um, how much weight are we talking about here? Like what, what am I putting on my body? Yeah. So we want to keep the load light intentionally so you can move fast and it doesn't get in the way of, of how you move. So sometimes people are surprised that the loads are light. Um, I want to say our women's tight, for example, is about 1.5 pounds and that load is distributed across the thighs and across the calf. We call it the shank area in biomechanics. Um, but we go all the way up to a five pound vest for the women and then our men's vest is right around 10 pounds. So the vest carries a little bit heavier load. If you wanted to go lighter, you could sub out the vest and do like a tank or a long sleeve top to load the upper body, but do it from a lighter perspective. So that's our range of our apparel right now, about half a pound up to the 10 pounds for the men's vest. Okay. And what does the data show you by training with this weight on? What does the data show you that how does the performance improve? So typically we're trying to improve performance in the way in which you're already training, right? One of the ways that I often describe to, to get started with describing with microload coaches that do well with microloading will add the microload to feed into what they're already attempting to do with a drill. So if we do it well, then likely you're getting to that end goal faster. You're getting there in less time because you've more directed the challenge. So I can give you, you know, a couple examples. If we talk about in my area where I've spent the most time is looking at loading the legs for sprinting. Um, and speed is king with sprinting. You need to be as fast as possible. 
And we've done studies where we've had half of a training group wear load, half of a training group not wear load. And the kids that are wearing the load will be sprinting faster by the end of that time frame. So maybe we've got about six weeks would be a good typical time frame in which to do an analysis like this. Um, we've also, an, an example of the same is where we see the specific adaptations to wearing the load on the legs. If you think you've got the cyclical movement pattern and athletes need to be able to move the legs quickly, hit the ground hard with sprinting that is very specific to moving in the horizontal direction. And a similar study that was done where they also added jumps to see if there was any um, kind of translation between the training with the sprinting to does it also help you to be a better jumper. It doesn't didn't help in the vertical direction, but it did in the horizontal direction, which makes sense because if you're training in the horizontal direction, you're getting better and faster and stronger at moving in the horizontal direction. And that's where we saw those specific adaptations. So usually I'll talk to coaches and athletes about microloading, of thinking about placing the load on the body parts in which are moving so that that specific challenge is applied to the joints and the muscles that you're using to get yourself moving. There's lots of applications. It could be for training drills like sprinting, agility, change of direction, um, or it can be sport-specific movement patterns where you actually apply the load while you're doing a very specific movement pattern like batting um, or hitting with tennis where you're carrying the load and you want to improve your ability to move through that movement pattern. Um, tell me about risk to injury. How do you guys think through adding weight to training and avoiding injury? Yeah, so one of the foundational principles in training is something that's called progressive. So we always want to be adding incremental challenge to an individual. We would recommend the exact same thing when it comes to microloading. And I do this a lot. I think the most extreme example is our distance runners, where adding a load to the legs and doing a typical long run is actually quite a large change to the challenge that you're presenting yourself for that day. So we try to think of, you know, coach people to think things through a little bit more um, carefully. And maybe instead of your typical five mile run, you introduce a microload for a portion of that time or a much shorter day so that your body can acclimate to carrying a greater load for that high number of strides in what you're doing. So it becomes a bit specific to the scenario, but um, progressively introducing it and then continuing as your body adapts to this new stimulus is the way to do it. Typically not adding and maybe going through an entire high intensity long training session, that would be quite a big overload for the day. We use the term volume load in strength and conditioning. We think about how much work you're doing kind of within a session. So we follow the same principles you would with other resistance training methods, really. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. This is going to sound like a really naive question, but I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm going, okay, um, I'm someone who trains. I have certain metrics that I typically reach. I put this stuff on and it almost, because I can feel a difference to whatever degree I feel the difference, 
it almost tricks my brain into trying harder. Is something happening here, like almost sending a message to your brain, try a little bit harder because it is a little bit harder to do it this way? Yeah, I think you're onto something there. We called it like an implicit coaching cue. Actually, we would do that intentionally sometimes when we want to feed into the challenge to make somebody push through a specific difficulty. Um, I think there's a lot of that psychological response that people feel when they're wearing it. It's not so noticeable that it it directly kind of slows you down. You can't you can still move to the same effort levels that you would expect to be able to move, which is one of the really fun things in keeping the load light. But then when you take it off, you notice how much you've been pushing through that little bit of resistance um, and you feel quite powerful when you are able to take it off at the end of a training session. I think athletes, sometimes that's their favorite part. When <laughs> they take it off at the end and you get that instant feedback um, of how much you've been working through that extra load. So some of the one of the things to think about is that we know the adaptations from strength training are velocity specific. So the velocity that you're training at is where you'll see the greatest improvements in your strength. Now, if we look at traditional resistance training in the gym setting, to get you strong, we load you up with a lot of weight. But when you're moving under a lot of weight, think like a back squat as an example, you're moving really slow. That's so much slower than what athletes are doing on the field or on the court. So we need some sort of way in which we can overload them and they can do effectively resistance training, but be it movement patterns and speeds that actually are the things that they need to do for their sport. And that's really what, um, you know, Morpho kind of unlocks this whole opportunity of training these nuanced movement patterns and at these very high speeds and dynamic um, movements in a way that we really haven't seen before. Okay. Um, so obviously the science of the training and, and now the wearables that you have with this have changed dramatically, even as you've started working in this field. What's next? Like, what do you see coming down the pike for a company like Amorpho or others that are into this style of training? Yeah, I think a few things. Um, I'm hoping that we can either ourselves collaborate or see some groups that work in the rehab space and start to use microloading as a tool for that rehabilitation process huh. post-injury. I think we've got lots of opportunities there. I'm not a physical therapist, so it's a little out of my wheelhouse, but I'd love to collaborate and see how groups kind of run with, with this technology um, in their applications. Even even and non-athletes? Then, uh, even non-athletes, like in literal rehabilitation for just general potential injuries that occur to people? Yeah, like in orthopedic settings. Yeah. Again, that's not my area, so I definitely can see the place for athletes since that's the space where I spend more time, but I would be curious to see what uh, rehab protocols would benefit from this for your non-athlete group carrying the load um, over time. We also know that um, from an orthopedic bone health perspective that that bones get stronger or stay strong under a mechanical stimulus. I think we've got some great questions around using load to help maintain bone health at later stages of life. And then when you think about amorpho being such a beautiful and comfortable piece of apparel, that certainly can be worn in athletic and training scenarios, but could maybe also be easily comfortably worn in a day-to-day -day scenario um, when individuals are concerned about maintaining bone health. So I think that's a fantastic area to, to span into. Um, and then we're going to just see a lot more training scenarios where people showcase the effectiveness. And also um, one of the big questions we have 
is looking at this idea of minimally effective dose. So if I take maybe my training group of youth soccer athletes and I've got six weeks to work with them and I take a group that is not using microload versus a group that is using microload, how much quicker or how much further does the group that's using the microload get versus not? Um, there might be, you know, they might get to that end point in five weeks instead of six or four weeks instead of six. So we start to look at kind of a, a dose response. Um, and I think a lot of coaches are really interested in that. A lot of coaches are challenged with short time frames or short, um, short training sessions where they're trying to accomplish a lot and always sacrificing things that they can't get done. Not necessarily professional and elite scenarios. Those are different. So when we look a lot more of our school developmental collegiate age groups where there's, you know, time is of the essence, how can you leverage these tools to be as a, the most effective you can in the training session or maybe free up time to get to work on other things at the same time. Okay. Um, last thing, and this will be, and I'm aware we're going to be using similar terminology, but I'm aware these are very different things, but just because you're dealing in this science, I am very curious your take on this, the concept of load management. So we're act, we're adding weight to athletic yep. performance to try to get peak performance. Um, and obviously there are a lot of athletes that are being asked to deal with load management now and how that affects them in their sport. Um, how do you kind of view the idea of athletic load management? Yeah, I think when it comes to, to load management, right, the coaches have to be smart and um, they might use some additional technologies to have a bit of a quantified um, perspective on what their athletes are doing or how their athletes are responding. And um, I think that that's really cool that we've got some of those options now from a sports science perspective. Then when I think about, you know, the area where I work and I talk with coaches in terms of this idea of introducing micro load, because you are challenging the volume load, you are challenging how much they're doing during a session that complicates this calculation that they might be doing either quantitatively or subjectively. And we make some recommendations or I make some recommendations regarding um, how you might manipulate your sets and reps when you do increase the intensity that you have directly manipulated when you incorporate microload into a drill or as a segment of a training session. So, and I think that goes back to my idea of what is the minimally effective dose. Maybe without a microload, um, someone running a professional athlete, a professional baseball player doing a typical hitting session might need a certain number of hits to kind of get through what he wants for the day. If we add in a very specific targeted challenge, maybe he needs less repetitions. So we might be able to either pull back a bit because the training is so much more specific and targeted to the adaptations the coach is looking for. Um, and that would be a huge advantage from a, a volume load perspective or a loading perspective by being able to pull back some sets or reps for a training session. Dr. Aaron Fazer is the head of science at Amorpho. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. On the next Futures Board podcast, what high-level highlights of your kids' games? I care about things that my son did to affect the game. And we're very good about highlighting those pieces and, and putting that in the playlist. So on average, uh, a highlight is maybe 15 seconds. And a player can expect between 20 and 40 highlights in a game. That's David Lockshin, CEO of Trace, who is trying to revolutionize the access to memories from youth sports. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. 
This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.